a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 15th of December. And more wild weather is on the way this morning as heavy rain and dangerous surf continues to smash southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales. A massive clean-up is underway as beaches were washed away, coastline crumbled and homes were damaged. Almost a metre of rain fell in some parts of Queensland. Our reporter Amy Drew has more from Brisbane. Hi Tash. Well, the complex surface low is currently weakening, but we're now bracing for the highest tide of the year so far to hit this morning, and erosion is going to be the big issue. Bribey Island is especially under threat. Big swell broke through the northern tip yesterday afternoon into the Pummerstone Passage, while beaches on the Gold Coast were blanketed with sea foam, piled up to two metres in some parts. Waves up to a massive 11 metres were also recorded off cooling Gatta. A serious landslide even formed over the heritage-listed Tambourine Mountain Road. The Bureau of Meteorology says the cool temperatures are going to remain for the next few days as that system moves south into New South Wales. The mass rollout of the COVID vaccine has started in the United States with an intensive care nurse in New York, the first person to be vaccinated. The Pfizer-Biotech vaccine was given emergency approval from federal regulators in the US over the weekend. The historic moment was live-streamed with nurse Sandra Lindsay speaking after receiving the vaccine. I feel hopeful today, Um, relieved. I feel like healing is coming. I hope this marks the beginning to the end of a very painful time in our history. I want to instill public confidence that the vaccine is safe. We're in a pandemic and so we all need to do our part. Healthcare workers and aged care residents in the US will be the first in line for the two-dose vaccine. And after the first jab, US President-elect Joe Biden took to Twitter saying brighter days lie ahead. Also overseas now in London will be placed into its toughest COVID lockdown since the pandemic began. Under the Tier 3 restrictions, thousands of businesses will be forced to close from Wednesday with pubs, bars and restaurants shut down and only permitted to serve takeaway and home delivery. Residents are also banned from outdoor gatherings. It follows a concerning increase in coronavirus infection rates. Meantime, authorities have discovered a new strain of the virus. UK Health Secretary Matt Hancock saying it may be more infectious. There is currently nothing to suggest that this variant is more likely to cause serious disease and the latest clinical advice is that it's highly unlikely that this mutation would fail to respond to a vaccine. And international travel could be back on the agenda quicker than expected after New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern agreed in principle to a travel bubble with Australia. The New Zealand leader warning it will only go ahead if infection rates stay under control. An official date isn't known as yet, but there's ongoing speculation it could be as early as March next year. Plus, millions around the world have been affected by a global shutdown of Google overnight. Users were unable to access their Gmail accounts as well as YouTube, Google Drive and Google Docs. Error messages popping up for more than an hour before services resumed. The tech giant has apologised 
and is investigating. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Tuesday morning. Two WA first and authorities have stepped up their nationwide manhunt over the killing of former Rebels bikey boss Nick Martin. Our Perth reporter Adam Hemmings has the details. Tash, WA police are not mincing their words. Keep your head down because we're coming. That State Crime Assistant Commissioner Brad Royce warning they'll be targeting all gangs, not just bikies, as they probe the gangland-style killing. Operation Ravello has been formed while extra police have joined the gang crime squad. Police are investigating a number of avenues of inquiry, including if it was the work of a sniper and if the person involved was flown into Perth. Assistant Commissioner Royce vowing there will be justice after Martin was targeted at the Quinana Motorplex of the weekend while surrounded by families. If the 1% want to come out into our community and commit acts of violence where we go and with our families, then we'll go into their community. To Victoria now, and the state government has reviewed its inclusive language guide for public servants, banning words such as husband, wife and sir. Our reporter James Lake has more from Melbourne. Thank you, Tash. Yes, Victorian public servants have been told to stop using basic words like husband, wife and sir to avoid offending people. The Andrews government has issued a revised 11-page inclusive language guide for its workforce. In our courtrooms now, judges have been told to stop using gendered titles such as Mr, instead referring to people as citizen. People applying for government jobs are to be asked for their preferred pronouns at the start of an interview. And state bureaucrats have been told never to assume someone is heterosexual. In South Australia, it's been revealed that poor ventilation in an Adelaide quarantine hotel was behind a major COVID outbreak. Our reporter, Sean Maynard, has more from Adelaide. Yeah, poor ventilation and not poor security practices is now being blamed for starting South Australia's worst coronavirus outbreak. An official review has found reduced air movement within the corridors of the Peppers Medi Hotel may have contributed to the transmission of infection. Security guards have been cleared of any major infection control breaches after hundreds of hours of CCTV were checked. A strain of COVID-19 linked to a guard escaped the facility last month infecting 33 patients in what's become known as the Parafil Cluster, triggering SA's three-day lockdown. 15 members of a family in Adelaide's northern suburbs were infected, along with a young couple housed inside the Medi Hotel and customers of the Woodville Pizza Bar. The state's Chief Public Health Officer, Nicholas Spurrier, says they've responded to the findings of the review by trialling new security models to reduce the amount of time staff spend stationary in corridors to reduce the risk of any transmission. It's understood the guard who became infected spent a significant amount of time stationed in a corridor on the floor where an overseas positive case was staying, the same floor where a couple also became infected. SA's 15-day streak of no positive cases was broken yesterday when SA Health reported an infectious traveller in his 40s is being housed in a separate area, not at the Peppers, but at the Pullman Medi Hotel. And some good news in New South Wales just in time for Christmas with COVID restrictions easing in aged care facilities, allowing residents to see more visitors. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield is in Sydney with more. 
Yeah, Tash, it's certainly been a tough year for residents in aged care homes, but just in time for Christmas, they're allowed to have more visitors. Officials say the risk of COVID transmission in the community is now low enough to ease restrictions, so the rules are changing today. New South Wales Health removing the two-visitor rule, meaning there's no limit on the number of people visiting each resident. It also means they can enjoy Christmas carols, with choirs allowed to visit for the first time since March. However, visitors are being urged to stay vigilant. Anyone with even the mildest of symptoms urged not to visit. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at Canstar. Effie, good morning. Now, Victorians snapped up an extra 30,000 travel vouchers yesterday. Governments across the country are doing all that they can to try and stimulate the local economy. What's happening around Australia with these vouchers? Yeah, Tash, it's interesting. They were snapped up pretty fast. They were released only yesterday, those $30,200 travel vouchers, and they could be redeemed when travelling um, uh, around Victoria if you spend a minimum $400. Now, if you missed out and you live in Victoria, do not worry. There are another two rounds next year, and these will open on the 20th of January and the 30th of March. Now, if you don't live in Victoria, it really is worth checking out what other states and territories are offering. So, for example, South Australia's uh, Great State Voucher is open to all Aussies, regardless of where they live. And your chance to secure a $100 voucher to use at Adelaide City and North Adelaide for accommodation, and maybe $50 voucher if you want to go to regional South Australia, opens on the 5th of January. And you've got to get in fast because we know they move pretty quick. Now, if you want to experience some top-end action, it's worth checking out the Northern Territories Territory Tourism Voucher. And that's worth up to $200 if you contribute $200 of your own money. And the second round was launched on the 2nd of November. Guess what? It was full. It's closed now. But your third one will go live on the 1st of February. Now, New South Wales Dine and Discover program, that was set to be trialled this week, but it's being put on hold until early next year. And according to the Department of Customer Services, New South Wales, they actually said that the hospitality industry is doing pretty well right now and they believe they would benefit more from the stimulus program after the festive season. Um, So if you're not already registered, my tip here is definitely register with Services New South Wales just to get in when they are available. And look, I guess there is a silver lining to not being able to travel internationally, Tasha, and that is that uh, think of all the money that's going to stay right here in Australia this festive season. And we get to enjoy this beautiful country that we live in. Sure do. Effie, also today, no surprises here, some may say, that it's very, very difficult, the devil's always in the detail, that super funds and insurers have made it very, very difficult for us to compare, especially when it comes to the value of insurance policies. Yeah, and look, that is no surprise. I mean, if I asked you, are you getting, you know, value through your insurance fund? You probably won't know the answer to that. And this report confirmed, uh, well, what it actually did was measure the value for money that Aussies are receiving from their default insurance uh, provided by their super funds. Now, we're forking out more than $4.1 billion a year from our retirement savings for insurance. But the fact is, we're not getting that much value for money. It actually found two identical members could receive very different cover depending on which super product they each had. Now, at the extreme, some My Super products in the sample that they uh, checked out offered over 20 times as much default death and TPD cover than others of the same type for a member. 
Now, the analysis of 20 My Super Funds found that about 86% of super members with insurances were in default setting and they may be losing out. Essentially, there were three key findings, and that is one, there was a wide variation in design and pricing of the insurance. And two, they, the insurers actually expect to bank about 21 cents for every dollar of premiums paid by super trustees. Um, and uh, also it said that they basically may be receiving pretty low value for money. It suggested that trustees should really look at these findings and really consider how they can better meet their regulatory obligations so they actually are you know, getting the best interest for their members. It is super confusing to try and understand that. You need really good expert advice on how to work it out and a good value. And also today, Effie, the jobs numbers are out. I saw some predictions uh, saying, speculating that unemployment levels were set to hit 15% next year. But how are these job figures going to look, do you think? Yeah, look, we have got the uh, the jobs and wage figures and they're out on Thursday. Look, most economists are predicting a 40,000 increase in employment, but it will keep the unemployment rate still at 7%, about a million people without a job. Um, I suspect that's still not a bad result. We were expecting probably a lot worse, but it would be interesting to see what the final wash-up is on Thursday. I mean, as we've always said, it depends on which state you are because we are running on so many different speeds, so to speak. Some economies are doing very well in Australia, others not so well. So the job numbers are a key indicator. Um, and just on the share market, it continues to roar to Christmas, the Santa Claus rally. Um, <laughs> and I guess a day doesn't go by where I know I don't talk, uh, you know, I talk about afterpay seems to be every day for me. It surged to a record high yesterday on confirmation that it will officially join Australia's top 20 stocks next week. It closed at $1.09 and, sorry, $1.9 and 93 cents and up 8.8%. I think the big question for a lot of investors is, have I missed the boat on that one? Well, I can't give you the answer to that, but I guess it does come down if you think that uh, the economy is going to continue to improve and consumers are just going to continue to spend, um, probably, probably. Uh, and uh, also, just to note that it's going to be the final week of trade for the um, Aussie market before two weeks of holiday um, happens due to uh, Christmas. So um, I suspect the market will continue to roar right to the end. As we slide to the finish line for Christmas, Effie, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Time to check sport now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, the test team has touched down in Adelaide ahead of the first test and there was a surprise arrival. Yes, good morning, Tash. That was Moses Henriques. Hasn't played a test match in four years. In fact, hasn't played a test match in Australia. All of his uh, tests so far have come on the subcontinent, India and Sri Lanka. He has been added to the squad because we've had another injury. That is Sean Abbott ruled out with a calf strain. In fact, uh, Henriques has had his own injury battles. He had a, a mild hamstring strain that he has recovered from. Cameron Green is still in some doubt. Uh, of course, Concasti copped that nasty blow to the head while bowling for Australia A the other day in that tour match. So Henriques into the squad. No guarantee of playing. They'll still have to trim that back by Thursday. The other arrival yesterday was Mitch Stark. Great to see Back in the bubble, he took compassionate leave and uh, spinner Nathan Lyon is a close friend of Mitch Stark and says it's great to have him back. Yeah, I talk to him every day. He's, he's uh, one of my best mates, so um, forever talking to him. Uh, probably annoying him, to be honest. Just two sleeps away till the first test, Tash. 
cannot wait. And Brett, what happened to the BBL last night? Yeah, we had uh, the Thunder and the Brisbane Heat in Canberra, and it was Daniel Sams, the hero. Speaking of all-rounders, his knock of 65 included seven over the rope. He had four in what turned out to be the final over, so the Thunder getting to that victory target of 179 with seven balls to spare. There was a bit of controversy uh, before the match started, though, Tash, and that's Chris Lynn and Dan Lawrence, two players from the Brisbane Heat, under investigation from Cricket Australia for a potential breach of COVID rules. Now, we understand that's because they took a a, a selfie with uh, some fans over the weekend, which isn't allowed. They are allowed out in public, but they can't do things like sitting inside a restaurant. has to be outdoor dining, so they could be in a bit of trouble. Strangely, though, they were allowed to play. They just had to keep a distance from their, their teammates, which which for uh, Chris Lynn as the skipper was a little bit hard to do last night, Tash. Now, also, Brett, Eddie Maguire, what a bombshell he dropped last night. Yeah, and that bombshell was that he will be stepping down as Collingwood president at the end of next season, which will be his 23rd season in the top job. Took over in 1998 when the Magpies were really a rabble. I mean, they are considered the biggest club in the AFL, but at that point in time, on and off the field, they were really struggling. Was only 34 years of age at the time, when, which, when you think about it, uh, is quite young. He the the uh, the board didn't know about this decision ahead of time last night before he told the fans in this online forum. As he said, uh, only his family knew about this, and uh, here is what he had to say. It got quite emotional. Back in 1998, it was my time to stand up for our beloved Collingwood. Instead of calling on others to do something for our club, fate turned my way. I'm proud that I answered. I've given everything I have to this position. Now it is time for me to set the platform for the club going forward. Any idea about the reasoning behind this? Because he loves the game, and as you could hear there, he was very emotional. Yeah, spoke about his uh, his family as well. He's got uh, two two boys. I think one has just finished high school, and, and I think maybe a desire to go out on his own terms. Um, some rumblings from within the Magpies board this season. David Gelbley, QC, going public, saying that he needed to come up with a succession plan. The big surprise in this is that Eddie is a man of history, and uh, the longest-serving Collingwood president, Harry Curtis was there for 27 years, and that's what he had his eyes on for such a, a long time. But he's made the decision now. Coincidentally, happens to be the final year of, of Nathan Buckley's contract, the coach at the Magpies as well. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, I think a lot of clubs, say what you will about Eddie, would love to have had someone like Eddie Maguire uh, at their club because, as I said, he completely turned the Magpies around. And has great passion for the game. Brett, thank you very much. Thank you, Tash. Checking the weather details now around the country for this Tuesday morning. And as we reported earlier, heavy rain is set to continue across many parts of southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales today as that storm system starts to move south down the coast. Brisbane, shower or two on the way and a top of 30. As we mentioned, showers set to continue today for Sydney, top of 23. Melbourne, very humid today and a cool change on the way with a top of 30 degrees. Shower or two expected for Canberra, 26. Shower or two on the way too for Hobart with a high of 27 today. Partly cloudy conditions expected this Tuesday for Adelaide, 29. Sunny and 30 for Perth and showers and storms expected with a top of 33 for Darwin. And it may not be the first thing many of us would choose to do, but a man from Sydney South has celebrated his weekend lotto win by doing the dishes. The Cronulla man says he went on a cleaning frenzy after discovering his major prize worth almost $900,000 because he had no idea 
what to do with himself. The lucky winner hasn't revealed as yet what he will do with his newfound fortune, but admits 2021 now has a lot of new possibilities, like buying a house, or some may suggest a new dishwasher. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. Please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.